Well, good morning, White Oak, and uh, man, what a blessing to uh, be a part of that, part of the service, and just to see so many families represented up here. And uh, as we begin our home improvement series, it's really a lot about what this is about, how we, uh, from the very beginning, uh, just take claim and say, hey, this is what I want to do. I want to raise my family. I want to I build my home on the words of Jesus, and that's a lot about what we're going to be talking about today. So as we jump into this brand new series, Home Improvement, I don't know how many of you remember the TV show. Uh, a lot of us do, the Tim Allen TV show, Home Improvement. Uh, man, that was a great show. Uh, you can watch that on rerun, still catch it today. And uh, one of the things that I think really stood out about that show at the time when it was made, one of the reasons that it was so uh, enjoyable, people liked it so much, was because it was just real. Right? It was raw, it was authentic, and they weren't perfect parents, they weren't perfect kids, and so we could kind of relate to uh, the mistakes they made and the, and the messes that they found themselves in. And, and I'm not saying that they don't make shows like that today, but it just seems like you know, you, it's harder and harder to find things like that. Um, you know, that we can relate to. And maybe that's kind of my age. I don't know. You ever hear yourself saying things and it's like, that's what my dad used to say. And then you're saying them and it's like, ah, I'm getting a little bit older. But, uh, you know, they just don't make shows like that anymore. And that's something my dad would have said. And uh, so we're going to jump into this series, Home Improvement, where for the month of May, we're going to be talking about our homes and our marriages and our families and how we just try to make those the best we can we can make them. So as we begin this family series, uh, one of the things that here at White Oak we want you to know that we understand that families come in all shapes and sizes, and the only thing that your family and my family have in common is the fact that they both have problems, right? We all have issues, and so there are no perfect families, and we get that, Uh, but here's the thing. Um, We can't do anything to go back into the past and and fix mistakes that we've made uh, for our families, but what we can do is beginning today is to choose that we want things to be better, that, that we want our families to be better. There's nothing we can do. We can't go back and change the past, but what we can do is that we can affect our families' futures. And so when we, when we claim today that, that we want to build our families on Jesus, when we claim today that we want to raise up our children to know who Jesus is, what we're doing is we're shaping our future. All right? We acknowledge that we're all messed up. We've all got problems. We all have issues and that our families may not look the way that we want them to look. But what we can do is look forward and say, how do I ensure my family's future? And that brings us today. Our theme is choose today. And, uh, and we want to challenge everyone to, to make a choice, much like these families that were up here on the stage um, did, that, the, that they say, hey, we're, we're choosing that we want to raise our families uh, based on God's word. Well, that's what we're going to be challenging all of us to do. That, that beginning today, we would build our homes, that we build our families on Jesus, that he would be our number one priority. He would be our leader. He would be our influence. He'd be our strength. He'd be our example. You see, there, there really are very, very few good examples of good families in the Bible. Think about it, if you, if you will. Think about your fav- favorite Bible character. Think about your favorite Bible story. One of the things that we recognize is that there's really not any great examples of great families portrayed in the Bible. Uh, you've got, I mean, think about it. You've got murder. You've got cheating. You've got deceit. Everything that you can imagine is in there. What we really have in the Bible, laid out across the history of the Bible, is reality, right? 
the brokenness of the world displayed through families in the Bible. One thing we do have in the Bible, though, are some great principles. Some, some great ideas that God lays out for his people that we should live by. Some great ideas that Jesus teaches. Jesus modeled for us relationships. Jesus modeled for us how we should interact with one another, how we should treat one another. And so that, Jesus' words, will be our foundation. That will be our goal. That will be our guide. And so if we can begin to think about trying to build our lives on Jesus' words, to build our families on Jesus' words. That's where we want to go. Today, we're going to be talking about building our house on Jesus. And, and as we talk about this idea of building our family around Jesus' words, we use that term family really broadly. We understand that we've got married people in here, we've got divorced people in here, we've got single people in here, we've got people that are 30 and they're living in their mom's basements. We get it. We've got all kinds of uh, different situations that might find themselves at play. Some have kids, some don't, you know what I mean, use the yours, mine, and ours, and, and we get it. We're coming from a bunch of different backgrounds and we come with a bunch of different pasts. But what we want to do is we want to say, hey, there's an idea that applies to all of us. And that's choosing what we're going to build our futures on. Choosing what we're going to build our families around. Whether that's just you or whether, like me, that's six people living in my house. So for me, in, in my house, it's, it's the six of us. i got four kids, two girls and two boys. My oldest is... 14, going to be 15, and my youngest is 9, and so that's kind of our reality. That's where I live. A while ago, Katie and I went to one of those marriage uh, retreats. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to one of those. It's like a whole weekend where every time the speaker or presenter says something, your wife elbows you in the side. Have you ever been to one of those? All right, I'm, so I'm not alone. You guys have been there too. Um, and so while we are at this retreat, they, they talked about a couple principles that kind of stuck it stood out to me. They talked about a lot of stuff, but there were a couple things that I kind of took away from that retreat that was like, "Ah, I need to put that into practice. I need to do that. And one of them was just this really simple idea of not walking into your house from work, okay, or from wherever else, but not walking in your front door being on your cell phone. All right, anybody ever been guilty of this? You you walk in your front door and you're on your phone, and you know, I can understand when uh, it, you know I got a house full of four kids, especially when they were a little bit younger. When you walk in the door from work, all of your kids they want to do the dad tackle, right? They want to do the dad hug, and if you walk in on your phone, you kind of mess that up. And so it made it, it made perfect sense when I heard it. I was like, ah. But the problem was that I lived in Bright at the time when we went to this, and so I was working at uh, the church there in Bright, and uh, and so from the church to my house was like five-minute drive. It was like two miles. And what would happen all the time is that I would leave work, and I'd think about somebody that I needed to call, and so I would call them, but five minutes isn't a very long drive to talk about whatever you got to talk about, and so I would forget quite a bit, and uh, and I would go and I would walk in the door and realize that I'm on the phone. And uh, and so as much as I heard and as much as I understood how important it was to, to not do it, I, I just simply found myself doing it over and over again. It was just a habit that was hard for me to break. And one of the second thing, the second thing that they talked about that uh, was like a parenting cue that I needed to learn was that you cannot parent from a distance. 
that you have to be present to parent. And so here's the situation that plays itself out at my house quite a bit. I don't know if it does at yours, but um, your kids are in another room away from you and you hear them beginning to fight. All right, it's ever happened at your house. Your kids start to fight and you can hear them from another room. All right, so my go-to move is from the couch. Uh, I can be kind of a lazy parent at times, all right? So from the couch, I just scream as loud as I can, hoping that they would hear me to stop whatever it is that they're doing and, uh, and hoping that that resolves the problem, right? It never resolved the problem, okay? And so, uh, and so the, the lesson was that you actually have to get up and go into the room and parent like from being present. You know, you have to check out what's going on. You got to find out why they're fighting. You got to deal with the situation like kids looking you in the eye. And, uh, and I'll tell you, even today, my go-to move is still the scream from the couch, all right? I, I just cannot get past the, you know, I've got... And, and I always end up having to go into the room anyway later on. Like, it didn't fix anything, but it's the thing that I try first. And, and I tell you all this, I lay this out for you, because I want you to know and understand that I'm not a perfect parent. I, I'm far from it. And, uh, and that building your house um, is hard work. Building your family is tough, and it's never easy, and it's not going to get any easier. And uh, we trade one set of problems for another set of problems when our kids get older. It's just tough. And, uh, and so I acknowledge the fact that, uh, hey, this thing that we're in together, building our homes, building our families, building our lives on Jesus, it's going to take a lot of work, and it's never going to be easy, and we're never going to be perfect at it. And so I just want you to keep that in mind as we continue to try to move forward. Jesus, uh, in the book of Matthew, uh, lays out some ideas for us that I really want us to dig into. And so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7 here in just a second. And so if you want to turn there in your Bible, if you're using a Bible app, we're going to be using the NLT translation to kind of read from the screen. And so you can follow along there. You can grab a Bible in your, in your pew if you want to, or you can look it up on your app. But uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew, uh, in chapters 5, 6, and 7, what we see is one of Jesus' very first recorded sermons that he ever preached. And, uh, and some of us who, who maybe grew up in church, we know it as the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' big idea is that he kind of lays out this, this picture for what it looks like to be a follower of his. All right. Uh, this is one of the places where he talk about being the light of the world, and where he would talk about, you know, blessed are those who thirst for righteousness. He, he just basically, uh, in his first message, just paints this picture for, hey, this is what it looks like to be my follower. And like any good preacher, he comes to the end of his message, chapter seven, at the very end, and he tells this story. We would call it an illustration today, but he, he calls it a parable, or we call it a parable in the Bible. And, and so he tells this story, he paints this picture of a man who builds a house. Two men, actually. And they build these homes. And, uh, and so, like, maybe you've been a part of a project at your house. Maybe you had your house built. Maybe you remodeled your basement. Maybe you did some stuff to your home or you were a part of the process where your house get built. Um, but Jesus' audience, as Jesus begins to lay out this picture, paint this picture of building a home, man, they would have had firsthand knowledge of what it meant when he talks about this story. Because they would have been a part of physically building their own home, 
right? And maybe a couple of you have done that, but most of us, we hire a company, somebody comes in and they do the work for us. In Jesus' time, Jesus' audience, when he talks about building a house, this was a very personal thing. They would have done it themselves. And so as he begins to talk about this, and they would have leaned in, they would have known exactly what he was talking about. All right, so Matthew chapter 7, we're going to start with verse 24, and we're going, to, we're going to read into this story. I mean, it's familiar, and so maybe you're familiar with it, but I just want you to look at it maybe with some fresh eyes. Matthew chapter 7, starting with verse 24. Here's what Jesus says. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Now take a look at this passage. If, if you look at this verse, he says, look, anyone who listens to my teaching, but not just listens to it, anyone who listens to it and follows it, he says that person is a wise person who builds his house on a solid rock. And now, for sure, anybody who is hearing Jesus, they would have at some point in time dug a foundation for their home. Uh, they would have laid the block for their home. They, they knew what it meant to build their own house. And so they understood that, that a smart person, a wise person, picks carefully this place that they're going to build their home. In verse 25, he continues, he goes, though the rains and torrents come and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it will not collapse because it's built on bedrock. He says, look, rains are going to come and they're going to hit up against your house. He says, floodwaters are going to rise. He says, the wind's going to blow against it. He says, but this house, the one that's built on the rock, he says, it's not going to fall. And remember, if we go back to the first verse, uh, the house that's built on the rock, it's because it's built that way because this person follows Jesus, right? It's the person who hears Jesus' words and follows them. Verse 26 he says, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey is foolish. Like a person who builds his house on sand. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, when, when Jesus' audience would have heard this sermon, they would have heard Jesus talking about this, they would have thought to themselves, who takes and spends all of their resources and all of their time to build a house only to build it on sand? These guys would have known. Maybe one person a long time ago would have built their house on sand, but they would have seen what happens that it wouldn't last, and so nobody else would have been foolish enough to do that. And so Jesus' audience would have been like, who could be dumb enough to spend all of their money, all of their time, all their energy building a house knowing that it will not stand because it doesn't have a foundation? They would have been like, who, who would do this? Verse 27, because when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, listen, it will collapse with a mighty crash because it doesn't have any foundation because it's not built on anything solid verse 28 says when Jesus had finished saying these things the crowds were amazed at his teaching for he taught with real authority quite unlike their teachers of religious law there's a couple things I want us to take away from Jesus' teaching here in this really simple story the first thing is this, it says, building your home on solid rock is a result of following Jesus' teaching. Jesus makes a big distinction here. It's not just about hearing the word of God. It's not, I'll go so far, it's not even so much that you believe the word of God. It is the fact that you are willing to follow the word of God. 
following Jesus' teaching, applying it to your life, actually doing it is the thing that makes the difference on whether your house will stand or whether your house will fall. If your home is going to stand, it requires that you live out the words of Jesus. Now let me be clear. These actions of living out the words of Jesus, this isn't what saves us. We're saved by the grace of God. We're saved by our faith in Jesus. We're saved because Jesus loves us. But if we're not willing to live this out, when the storms come, and they're coming, when life gets hard, you're not going to be able to stand. It says that you're going to fall. Second thing I want you to see is that storms come either way. But if your foundation is strong, your house will stand. Look, storms hit all of us. And uh, if you attend uh, church every week, if you serve, if you give, storms are still coming. And, uh, and we're going to get hit sometime or another by everything that life has to bring at us. Uh, look, maybe you're somebody who, who feels like, man, I'm always trying to do the right thing. I'm always trying to do the right thing, and, and I just keep getting hit with storms. You know what? The, those people down the street, they, they don't care about anything. They don't go to church. They don't do anything they're supposed to do, and they never have any problems. That's the way we feel. That's the way we see the world sometimes. The Bible says different. The Bible says that everybody, whether you're following God or you're not, everybody is going to face storms in life. The only question is, are you going to be able to withstand it? Who's going to be left standing? It'll be the person who follows Jesus' teaching. Building your home on solid rock is a result of following Jesus' teaching. And storms come either way, but if your foundation is strong, your house will stand. Having a strong foundation is all about us taking the words of Jesus, the words that we find in the Bible, the things that we know that we need to be doing, and actually doing them. I'm a big fan of a singer, Maren Morris. I don't know if anybody's familiar with her. She's kind of a, a pretty new pop singer, but she's got a little bit of old school country vibe, and she's got a new song out that's called Bones. And uh, the subject of the song Bones is a marriage, but in the song she calls this marriage a home. And, uh, and I don't know uh, much about Marin, her faith, or anything like that, um, but, uh, but her song kind of lives out, or her song kind of depicts this story that we read about today. Her message in that song is, the house don't fall when the bones are good. And uh, again, I don't know that uh, anything about her history or, or who she is, really, other than the fact that her song kind of lives out or, or demonstrates this biblical message, whether she knows it or not. All right, now I want you to listen to these lyrics and see if they don't sound like a retelling of Jesus's story. Marin says this, she says, when the bones are good, the rest don't matter. Yeah, the paint could peel and the glass could shatter. Let it rain, because you and I remain the same. When there ain't a crack in the foundation, baby, I know any storm we're facing will blow right over while we stay put. The house don't fall when the bones are good. See, she tells a story about a house, this marriage, this relationship, and uh, no matter what they face and no matter what they go through, she believes that they're going to be able 
to stay strong. They're going to be able to remain. They're going to be able to, to, to make it through because their foundation, because the bones of the house are good. And we know that if our house is going to stand, that if our relationships are going to stay intact, that if, if our kids are going to be able to be raised in a way that we want them to, it's only going to be because we stay and remain in the Word of God, that we don't just hear it, that we don't just believe it, but we live it each and every day. In the Old Testament, there's a man named Joshua. Now, Joshua is a guy in the Old Testament that takes over for Moses. You know, Moses, the Red Sea Moses, that guy. And so these are some pretty big shoes to fill. Moses leads God's people through this huge adventure, crossing the Red Sea and then wandering through the desert for 40 years. And there's this promised land that God has for them that they're supposed to enter. Come towards the end of Moses' life and he's not going to be the guy that takes them into the promised land. Alright? It's going to be Joshua. And so Joshua's tasked with this job of being the guy who actually delivers God's people into the land that they've been waiting for all this time. Both Moses and God speak into the life of Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, uh, verse 9. We kind of see it depicted in one of them. But ten times, both Moses and Joshua, or both Moses and God tell Joshua to be strong and courageous. All right? So in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, we read this. It says, This is my command. This is God speaking to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. All right? Fast forward to the end of Joshua's life. God's people now occupy this promised land. All right? They're, they, they're there and, they, and they, they're living there. Uh, they've kind of settled in and, and Joshua finds himself at the end of his life. Right? And, and so Joshua gathers up everyone all of God's people, and he has a farewell message for them. He's going he's to share with them one last thought and idea. And we read about it in Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. And this is Joshua's message to God's people. He says, So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? And then he says this, this famous line. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Joshua says courageously to God's people, choose. He says, for far too long you've been living... Uh, undecided lives, living like a yo-yo, one day loving God and serving him, and the next day worshiping the gods of your ancestors or the gods in the land that you now fall. Joshua simply asks his people to make a choice, and he ends it with that famous line, but as for me and my family, he says, we will serve the Lord. The NIV says, not family, but it says house. As for me and my home, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Jesus in his book of Revelation says this. He says, I wish that you were either hot or cold. But he says, you're lukewarm and I spit you out of my mouth. The challenge here is to make a choice for your home and for your family, for yourself, that you would choose today who you're going to serve. 
You may feel like that we're much different than the people who were living in Joshua's time. We don't build calves out of gold and bow down and worship idols, do we? But don't we? Anything that we put in front of God, anything that we try to build our lives on, anytime that we try to build our family around, sports, success, money, fame, you name it. Anything that we put in front of God becomes a, another God. Anything that we put in front of God is an idol. An idol is simply anything that we put in front of God. And so many of us chase after so many things. So many of us are trying to build our lives, trying to build our homes, trying to build our families on things that are not the word of God. And so Joshua just challenges his people, just like we're being challenged today, choose. Choose who you're going to serve. You're going to put God first or not. Listen, choosing is not about perfecting. It's about progressing. Now, let me say that again. Choosing is not about perfecting. It's about progressing. Maybe you want to write that down in your notes. It's the, it's the big idea, really. It's the, it's the takeaway that I want you to understand. Choosing to follow Jesus and building your life on him and his words is not about being perfect. We're going to fail. We're going to fall short. We're going to make mistakes. If you've ever parented a child, you know that you're not going to do it right all the time. But it doesn't mean that we're not trying to get better each and every day. It's not about perfecting. It's about progressing. Because my family's future is far too valuable not to try, not to choose, not to commit. I want to be the best Kevin that I can be. I want to be the Kevin that God created me to be so that my family has a chance to stand when all of life's storms come. And they're coming. So choose today who you're going to serve. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today, and I thank you so much for your son, Jesus. I thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to choose. God, and I pray that each and every person in here, each and every family that's represented in here, God, that collectively we would choose to follow you by living out your words each and every day. Thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.